0: Hello, God bless and welcome. I'm Kevin Haggerty. This is the God Logic Project, where we discuss maintaining a Christian world during a post Christian America. Uh, if you guys watch the show on the regular, you know uh, there's very little that I won't talk about uh, recovery, Christianity, politics, religion, you name it. I tend to have guests in here to talk about it. And in keeping with that tradition, we've got a very interesting guest in here today. Uh, and it's, this is going to be a very powerful message. Uh, it's going to be, for some folks, maybe hard to listen to, a little bit heartbreaking. Uh, but the hope that comes with it, I think, is going to be undeniable. So uh, I'll introduce you to my guest, but first, the intro music. Hello, God bless, and welcome. I'm Kevin Haggerty, and this is the God Logic Project. Shut up, Kevin. I'm Kevin Haggerty. That was Mike Houston telling me to shut up, and my guest today is is Mercedes, Mercedes Cohen. Mm-hmm. Uh, And she is, uh, she has a really tremendous story. Uh, We're going to take it from the top, but uh, I think a good way to maybe introduce you to the audience is to play a clip from the Dr. Phil show that you were on. That will give them a little bit of an idea, I think maybe of your background, your story and, uh, and how things turned out or how things continue to turn out for you, which is uh, just an amazing testimony, I hope. So let's play that video from the top briefly. And we're not, we're not going to play the whole thing So uh, Dr. Phil doesn't sue me for copyright And uh, uh, and uh, it's two minutes long So we'll play about 38 seconds of it, I think
1: I've been living a life for my entire life If you saw me on Facebook You'd see a perfectly married couple And their two beautiful children That lived in a really big house That had the American dream You would see me smiling in pictures You would see all the good things But not the bad the truth is, I've been an escort since I was probably about 14. I have sex for money. My life on a daily basis is getting up in the morning, posting on a website that is for escorts, and then the calls start coming in. I screen my clients based off of phone calls. If they can't hold an intelligent conversation, then it's a no go. I charge them. All
0: right. So that is uh, uh, that is just a clip from from an intro uh, to when you were on the Dr. Phil show, which was about three years ago, is that right? Uh, And the, uh, uh, when you hear the things you just said, when people hear the things you just said, it's very difficult uh, for people to wrap their minds around that. So average middle American people, uh, a 14 year old is a child, right? And you're still a child. You're, you're, you're only 27 now, right? So for you to have this much of a story in, in this early in your life, to me, I, the first thing I think is how many how many lives can you affect in a positive manner uh, with the time you have left? Because you have a lot of time left on average, right? So uh, there is an opportunity here to really to bring hope to people that that may feel particularly hopeless. Now, when I hear uh, I got involved in escort service at fourteen, uh, I, I instantly how did that happen? How does a fourteen year old that really you know can't make any decisions any any cognitive or legal decisions for that matter get involved in something like that?
1: Um, you know, my mom, um, God bless her. She passed away at 40 from the disease of alcoholism. Um, so I'll just back up a little bit. Okay. Um, I was very like overly sexualized over, over sexualized as a child. Um, you know, my mom was, um, also a sex worker. Um, we had a stripper pole in our living room suction to the ceiling um, beautiful woman on the cover of magazines, um, enhanced her body to make herself look a certain way, very beautiful, you know, just kind of taught me um, that you really didn't have to work in your life, that you could just be pretty and, you know, men could take care of you. And that seemed um, interesting to me. Um, I was just, in. I was infatuated with her and I, I respected her and I respected the way she lived because I saw her. She was home all the time. She, we always had nice things. Um, you know, it was just really normal for me. Like we didn't sit at a table as a family. Like my mom would have men coming in and out. Um, and you know, I um, I kind of, I don't wanna say I fell into it, but it was just very, um, I just always wanted to be like, I felt like if I looked a certain way that people would treat me a certain way. And I felt like if I could just, you know, have all these things, people would love me. And I was just very interested in the sex working industry, even as a little child. And I think that started with um, being sexually abused as a child by someone I trusted. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, I blamed myself for that because of how it happened and what happened. And, And I realize now that I was just a little girl, but I don't know if that trauma from being eight years old, kick something inside of me because it was weird. I would gravitate towards the things that hurt me the most, which were men. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, my mom would give out these business cards of her bent over our back fence butt naked. And it was just really normal for me. Um, At the time, I didn't know. I think when I was 10 or 11, I was trying to figure out if she just had, like, six boyfriends or if they were sugar daddies. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was just very, like interested in that lifestyle because I saw the way she she lived and it was just very interesting
0: so somehow you plugged into that though at age 14 how did that uh you don't have to give details but how did that uh I mean when did you uh
1: how did I find my first client
0: yeah how did you get involved in the first place I mean, I can see the motivation having, like, a role model, your parents, your father, I'm guessing, out of the picture. Yeah, out of the uh, picture. <laughs> so the, uh, your, the one role model you have in the home, and I, I think that the breakdown of the family unit in America is a big problem, uh, and here we see it. But you, the one person that, that should be a role model in your life is role modeling a certain lifestyle that is guaranteed to become appealing to you one way or another if no one else is speaking into your life at that point. Uh, but how do you get then to uh, – you know, like your first client it. and getting and, and, and getting involved in it yourself at only 14 that's very young
1: so I don't I don't remember how it came about but I did I had a sugar daddy um I don't remember where I found him I don't know if it was um, sugar daddy for me.com or if it was plenty of fish back then or if it, I don't remember the circumstances I think I, I I try to block that part of my life out um, but yeah I was driving a Mercedes around when I was 16 years old mm-hmm um, and then it just progressed from there. I, um, it didn't start off like I wasn't seeing like 10 clients a day at 14. It was like the beginning of, of sex working. And I used to call myself a prostitute, but um, I call myself a sex worker now. <clears throat> but I think that it started off slow. Like I, when I found that one person who controlled my entire life, um, <clears throat> my mom knew about it. She was she just, she wasn't a mom. She was, she right, tried right. to be my best friend. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't remember like how it started, but I remember being like very infatuated with, um, being a 16 year old girl, 15 or 16. I don't know if I could legally drive yet. Um, but I remember just like bragging about it. I'm like, well, you're doing it for free, but I'm getting paid for it. Yeah. yeah. You know, Who's the dumb, who's the yeah. dummy here. Yeah. And that's terrible thinking. Um, and that was kind of like my motive. You know, you do it for free. I get paid for it. Um, and then it just really progressed from there.
0: So the, uh, uh, the idea, I think that you're, you're not only emulating your role model in this, mm-hmm. so it, it has to be justifiable to a 14 or 15, 16 <clears throat> year old kid that way, uh, other kids are sexually active at 14, 15, 16 years old, uh, with, you know, just punks or whatever and they're being mistreated or however, you know, teenage love goes, right. But you're, you're thinking to yourself, I'm getting paid, you know, uh, I got a nice car, uh. It doesn't make it okay, but it's, we see how we can then justify and rationalize anything in our lives, especially given, you know, how you got into that position in the first place. It's just
1: really normal. Yeah. I didn't think I was doing anything wrong. Um, Even, you know, the guys she would bring home would, you know, they would say, if someone ever said the things to my daughter that people said to me as a child, Mm -hmm. I would kill someone. Yeah. You know, I just, I'm, I'm thinking of very vividly horrific things. Um, you know, there was a DCF case opened on um, me when I was, I want to say 13 or 14. And um, one of the detectives on the case tried to sleep with me.
0: <laughs> one of the detectives? <laughs> yes. Did. So the... Uh...
1: And that is just that, and no one believed me. And that's the craziest part. Like, um, my PE teacher in school used to tell me to meet him on the top. I was just always looked at it was like I had this sticker on my forehead that said like I'm an open door Mm -hmm. you know like it just people looked at me that way and then you know I was like it was just so normal and it's not
0: and the people that that were looking at you that way are people that shouldn't right so the particularly people of (laughs) people of authority certainly child molesters uh, and that's a big thing with this Jeffrey Epstein and, and politicians and Prince Andrew and all this stuff going on now my worry is and I'm not in these circles, right. I've never really lived in these circles. Uh, but the, uh, 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 someone like me, like that hasn't been exposed to this stuff for life. Uh, then I think to myself, how prevalent is this really? So if it's, if it's my friend Mercedes and if it's, if it's the Clintons and Prince Andrew and, and everybody else that I don't even know who else they talked about in that, in that case, uh, it's more prevalent than even, than I think it is. Now I had in here, the, the girls from created women. Uh, who they literally go out in Tampa, I'm like Dale Mabry, and they'll uh, give a Bible and a gift basket to prostitutes on the street and try to, try to rescue them from street life. They do tremendous work. I had mm. them in here a few months ago, and it was really eye-opening for me. Somebody that, you know, I've been around the block a few times. Uh, you think you, you kind of, nothing would shock you, but to, to, that there is sex trafficking going on. When I hear sex trafficking, I think Albania, mm-hmm. Russia, Japan. You know, I don't think of it as Tampa. Right, right really here in our, in right here in our own backyard. So it, uh, uh, that shows my naivety for, uh, what's going on around me, you know, and people like me working 50, 60 hours a week, taking care of their kids, handling their own business, uh, maybe should stop and think, you know, how many people, uh, are, are affected by the types of things that you're affected by. And then you take a cop, a teacher, your mom, people that should be pouring positive into your life. Uh, and they're, uh, you know, they're, they're almost partaking in it you know or benefiting from it so it uh uh it, it is a scary thought it's a scary idea that that's uh you know that's the kind of stuff that goes on it really is for someone like me so the how did the whole thing progress so you and I met we'll we'll start over a little bit we'll back up a little bit uh you and I met by we we were essentially anonymously helping the same people right and so we 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 hit it off on facebook and then i saw some posts of yours some hopeful post of yours i'm thinking to myself there's an interesting story here i should have her on the podcast and then the uh uh but when we when we finally got to talk and i got a real uh, feel for your story i was gonna i was thinking i would have two or three women with with like stories giving their testimonies but yours is a standalone story so i don't know that so many people uh in from age 14 to 24 uh that's a 10-year period early in your most important years of your life really Uh, would, you know, there's not going to be a lot of stories like yours. So, and we can testify to that because you ended up on Dr. Phil, right? So you, the, uh, you were on the Dr. Phil show. That's where that clip came from earlier. Um, before we'll, we'll talk about that in a second, but before that you go from 16 year old with a sugar daddy to, to what we watched in the video. Now you're married, right? And for the video, you're married. Are you still with your husband now? Okay. So you were married, you got children, And this is how you're generating your income. Uh, How how does that how does it progress to that, or is it uh, that would seem in a strange way almost victorious for for you that you know I'm I'm legitimizing myself here now. Uh, How did that happen?
1: So I guess um, after being 16 and getting a taste of um, getting, I won't say whatever I want, but to a certain point, I um, lived. You know, I got a taste of what it was like to live in a mansion and to drive a car and to, you know, get whatever I wanted. And it was almost addictive to me. Um, it was almost addictive knowing that I, I didn't have to do very much and um, that it was all because I, I looked a certain way and I was willing to, you know, do the easy stuff. Um, so it really progressed really quickly, actually. Um I ended up moving to North Carolina. I thought that if I could just do the geographical change that I could start over. And I was, I had always like, if I were to look back, like I always envisioned myself as like a stripper, but going to school, mm-hmm. I think that was the vision. Like I could just make so much money and then I could turn myself around and I could be a mom and I could have the white picket fence house and all these things, but it progressed really quickly because I ended up going into, I, I want to say like I fell into it. Yeah. Um, North Carolina, there were a lot of army bases. And with army bases, there's a lot of, um, they're called jack shacks. Mm -hmm. Um, And I walked into one of them that was a lingerie store in the front. And then once you went behind the curtain, it was a a jack shack. And um, I was the youngest one there because all the girls who had worked there were older. They had been doing it for a long time. And they were on drugs and drinking. And I prided myself on being a sober prostitute. And... um, I had the the little girl look. I had no tattoos. I hadn't um, had implants yet. I looked like a baby because mm-hmm. I was eighteen, and um, and that and people were
0: responding obs- to that. So that's a niche with within it. Yeah,
1: you know, working in that industry, there are a lot of sick people, and they want you to look like a little girl. Yeah. They they have the fetish. Yeah, um, and I it wasn't all about having um, sexual intercourse. You did a lot of other things. So I justified it that way. It wasn't like I was having sex all day, but I was doing other things that were just as degrading, you know, for money. And um, and I ended up working. I did that for a long time, and then I found this other organization that I could make more money per week, have kind of like a um, a woman pimp, and but you had to give half of your proceedings. So I did that for a long time. A few years um I told my husband that I was um a stripper for a um some company that like traveled uh-huh. and um I would fly back and forth and so uh,
0: you're married and your husband doesn't I know this married, no. and he doesn't know about this and I saw that on the the no, episode he had no idea he he was shocked that he when he heard all this right
1: he was shocked yeah uh. and people were like well how didn't he know and I um I think he loved me so much that he just didn't like fathom me doing it and I was such a good I it was a double life like mom mom and wife sex worker porn it was just I could flip it off and that was the thing I did I would literally like if I was staying in the area I would go to work whether it be by day or by night it just varied and it would be like a light switch and i'd be like i'm this girl i'm not going to say the name i'm her right now and then when i would leave i would forget about it and and what i was doing was is i was blocking all of it out because it was so traumatic for me and then i'd come home but i had i had formulated this life that I couldn't afford if I wasn't doing that. And that's yeah. another way I justified it. Well, I can't go work a nine-to-five job if I'm, you know, because there was a point in time where I didn't look like the girl on Dr. Phil. The reason why I was so bloated and I was so big was because I was drinking a gallon of vodka a day and I mm-hmm. wasn't doing anything. There was a point in time where, you know, I didn't look like that. So I was making a lot of money and I was super addicted to the way I looked. And, um, you know, and then I found out that I didn't have to pay someone half my money. I could do it on my own. hmm um, and then I fell into, um, the porn industry and I didn't do it for long. Um, because with that kind of lifestyle comes a lot of drugs. They encourage you to do Molly. They encourage you to do, I didn't try my first drug until I was 21 mm-hmm. and that is late. That's a late, I'm a late bloomer. Yeah, I and, quit drinking and driving
0: <laughs> when I was 21. That right. tells you anything.
1: So I didn't like, you know, I had drank at 16 or 17, but I wasn't drinking every day. Um, I wasn't drinking when I was um, being a sex worker. I wasn't doing any of that. And that's why that was like my thing. I'm a sober sex worker. This is great because the guys would tell me like everyone's always nodding out. So I was like, this is cool. I'm sober. Mm. And what that did for me in the, in the end of it was it ruined my life. It ruined my life.
0: So then the that was kind of the turning point. That's when probably drugs and alcohol. I mean, the pressure of of the, the pressure of being a mom and then the love and the connection that goes along with being a mom and, and, and doing it better than maybe your mom did. I went through that with my dad, certainly. Um, so the pressure from that goes from that to uh, that juxtaposed against the, the, the porn and the, and the stripping and stuff and, and the duality of that creates a lot of pressure. So I know when I was a kid, you know, I did a lot of bad things. I hung around with bad guys, but I was kind of a good guy you know, I just did a lot of bad things. I felt guilty about the things I did, which led to the drinking and drugging and trying to escape and, and then doing even crazier things. And so it, uh, it, it spins out of control, but the pressure of, of, uh, of being a mom and, and not wanting to do what your mom did. And there you are kind of doing it. Plus, you know, you're providing, you're keeping the house, you're doing the right things at home, uh, and then switching, like you said, hitting the switch and going back to your, your work life, uh, that's got to build up an awful lot of pressure whether we don't realize it or not uh you've got to be under a tremendous line of pressure and driving your self-esteem i would tell you as a pastor driving your self-esteem from anything but your relationship with god is uh, a dead-end street so it is uh it is in a sense a form of idolatry we make a god of ourselves or our money Mm -hmm. or our body or sex we see it more and more with young girls now um they are almost taught uh to lead with their sexuality, you know. I see it on Facebook. I don't
1: even realize they're doing
0: it. Yeah, I see them on church on Sunday but then they I see their Facebook posts and their boobs are hanging out and they're like, How do you like my lipstick? Knowing really so nobody's looking at your lipstick, you know. Uh that is uh it's a dead end street and then you I know a lot of girls that were dancers and in my industry in the recovery industry, you meet everybody. Uh and they uh you know they they thought it would never end, you know, and but time and kids and Things change, and uh, you know now you're in your thirties or forties, and nobody really wants to take care of you anymore. You know, and it's uh, the sin of it is, you know, you were led to that. Do you give any idea that this is how this might work? Really, it doesn't. You know, it's heartbreaking. And so you and I now becoming friends. I hear this story, and I'm getting choked up listening to you. You know, it's uh, it's hard to hear. Uh, and and then I could run a million, you know, a dozen faces through my head. People that would tell me a similar story, you know. Uh, so it is very hard to uh, it's very hard to have these conversations. Um, so the so you're you're now online for yourself. You're married. You got two kids.
1: Yeah, I um I had Piper when I was 22, and I had Decker when I was 23. Okay. So,
0: and then the uh, uh, your husband is is stationed overseas, but really doesn't know a lot about what's going on.
1: Um he was deployed before we had kids. Um but no, I mean I was such a liar and a manipulator that, you know, he had no idea.
0: Yeah, and he had no idea. And he's giving you to the extreme to a fault the benefit of the doubt. He's really Absolutely. hoping you're telling him the truth and have we not all been there with people in our lives, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So the uh uh
1: and it's and it's not really his fault if, you know, I hear a lot of people say to me, you know, he had to have known. How did he not know? Well, it's really not his fault. You know, it's not really him. It's not really his job to determine if his wife is telling the truth about something like that. I mean, I think when you're in it, it's a completely different story, you know, um, versus from an outsider's perspective, like he lived it every day. So it was just kind of normal for him. So, um, I don't think it's really fair to say that he should have known, like I shouldn't have been a liar and I shouldn't have been dishonest and, you know, um, you know, I just think he, he loved me so much that he really just had no idea. And I was just a master manipulator, I think. Um, that's what Dr. Phil said to me, and that really resonated with me.
0: And that is not uncommon. Uh, the same brokenness, by the way, that drives people, I'm sure, into, the, into uh, the sex industry, drives them into the dope house, too, and it drives them into bars. And uh, it, is, it is, like I said, we, we, it, we, we're starving for, self, for some sort of form of self-esteem. Uh, and we're just going to the wrong places for it. So the a uh, guy told me a long time ago, if you're struggling with self- low self-esteem, do something esteemable. Mm-hmm. Turns out you do that now, and we're going to get to that. Uh, we we will open the phone lines here in a little bit, um, and we'll take some calls. And and uh, certainly, guys, you're going to have to keep it appropriate. or I'm going to cut you off. And uh, I am the engineer and the host of the show, so uh, I struggle to answer the phone uh, in a, in any kind of fluid form. So uh, if you if I if I answer the phone just hang in there till i talk to you cuz i'm going to have you on un- un- mute for a little while but uh we'll open the phone lines The uh uh so you you've gone into the porn industry you've done your own thing in 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 the uh, uh the escort service and y- did you tell me you, you worked for the bunny ranch or something like that
1: yeah briefly
0: so you were down there i is that the legal one in texas i'm not familiar didn't no, they it's have in, a in um nevada nevada they had a hbo tv show about that didn't they
1: on t- yep yeah
0: i'm such a nerd i didn't watch it Mm -hmm. what are you gonna do yeah Uh, so the uh that is a tremendous story now we hold that up against the mercedes that i know right so for me to hear this is unbelievable but you and i have responded to the needs of people in, in the community through social media not even knowing each other both being in the same business now in a sense of of trying to make a difference in other people's lives so the uh uh for me it's always uh I've become The God Logic Project has become kind of a clearinghouse in, a, in essence for people that may need help of one way or another. Coming up on Christmas, losing their jobs, uh, drugs and alcohol, certainly needing to get into treatment. A big part of, of my story and what I do uh, is, is drug and alcohol related. But it put us both in, in the same place. So I can tell you from, if I was going to speak into it, I can tell you for sure that uh, the heart that she has now for service is amazing because it caught my attention and I do this stuff all the time. But not everybody catches my attention, right? So not every time that I do it does somebody say, I'll jump on that right away. I'll run out there today after work or whatever it is. Uh, that's the heart of a servant. That's somebody who's really trying to make a difference. And that I, I've got to speak into that for you on your behalf because I don't want to give everybody the wrong idea uh, about what we're doing here. We're here to try to bring hope to people that are struggling in some of the things that you were struggling. And we're going to open the phone lines uh here in a minute and i want to talk to people that uh, i don't want to talk to creepy dudes i'll hang up on them (laughs) but i wouldn't mind uh uh, if you guys have questions if you have uh if you need some kind of guidance to get out of this uh lifestyle and and only somebody that has come out of it can put can get you through that uh i think i want you to call in this is going to be the show for you uh, are you okay with taking some phone calls? I'll try to manage okay. it. I won't be able to manage it perfectly. We're live. So it's going to be hard to manage it perfectly. And I don't with all my buttons, I don't have a bleeper. Okay. Uh, so the, uh, we're going to open the phone lines here in a minute. I've got to turn the, all the systems on here. So the, uh, uh, give me an idea. Now I know you, it turns out you work with a friend of mine, which I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're in, you work, uh, uh helping people now, uh, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Um, and then you've got, you got the kids, you spend time with your kids and, and, uh, you're doing all the things that you almost, uh, you know, kind of wished you can do. You did the, you did the wrong things to be able to do the right things. Now here you got, you got right and right working together, moving in the same direction. That's got to feel good after, Absolutely. after all this. Now I watched a lot of the clips of the Dr. Phil show, uh, and he was mean, but, uh, he was honest. He was honest, and sometimes he tell me
1: what I needed to hear in that moment. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I tell people all the time you don't have don't uh-huh. trust people that tell you what you want to hear. Trust people that, that tell you what you need to hear. Yeah, because they have a different motive, right? Now, so, in that
1: moment I was like, "How dare he?"
0: Oh, I'll fight Dr. Phil right now. It won't make no difference to me. to me. Dare he talk
1: to me like that? Like, who does he think he is? Yeah, you know. But I look back when I'm less delusional and I've I've been separated from the drink and the drug for you know a long time. You know, I look back and I'm like, wow. I was so delusional. Yeah. You know, no one ever would have said anything like Full flight
0: from reality. Full
1: flight from reality. Um, Self can't see self. So I was just like.
0: And we, unfortunately, we tend to surround ourselves with people that tell us what we want to hear. So we end up in these intellectual, spiritual, emotional bubbles that everybody's as broken as we are. Absolutely. Right? We build, I built an alcoholic world around myself. I had a job where you could drink. I had friends where you could drink. I had.
1: Yeah. All my friends were. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> so it was it was but
0: yeah. and the only people that would have speak into my life were other degenerates so that's fine right. that's perfect I, I don't care what they say you know right. so there was never anybody to to break that cycle so what we we talk about uh and with the guys that i work with is it's uninterrupted self-will which is a killer it's an absolute killer if you if your will is not interrupted one way or another by good you know hook or by crook the best, blessed, the biggest blessing in your life is going to be that interrupted self-will that gets you out of yourself just for a second. You know, uh, for me, I had to begin to. It wasn't easy for me to put two coherent thoughts together in a row. I had to, I had to change everything. I had to become. I didn't become Mother Teresa. We talked a little bit about it off the air, but I mean, I was still a lunatic even sober. But it was pointing me in the right direction, right? And then eventually. Uh, some slow some are sicker than others, and sometimes slowly it took me a little longer than it takes most people to get better uh but I wouldn't change it for the world. I really wouldn't so the uh if you guys have any questions for us, you can hit us up on the youtube channel by the way uh my buddy Scotty's saying good advice, and it's probably advice he gave me, so that's why he's saying it. Uh, <laughs> thank you for watching Scotty and uh if you guys have any questions or anything you'd like to speak into uh uh certainly. Give us a call. It's, the phone number should be on the screen. It's uh, 727-600-5837. You can call in, and uh, uh, if you have questions or any comments, we'd love to talk to you. Now, tell me more. Now we'll go back to the Dr. Phil thing. Dr. Phil, believe it or not, I never watched Dr. Phil until, until recently. I'm familiar with Dr. Phil. I see him on the news, and I would, other people would watch him while I was in the room. wasn't a big, never a big TV fan to begin with. But Dr. Phil uh, was brutally honest with you. Your in one of the clips. Your husband was there, and he was hurt. Certainly hurt. I mean, reasonably, understandably hurt. How do you have any kind of friendship, any healthy relationship with him now? I do. So that's a big blessing. So he he's in the kids' lives too.
1: He's an amazing father. Um, I will say that um, I don't. It's healthy. It's exactly how it's supposed to be in this moment. Mm. Um, do we get along? Yeah. Um, is he still angry? Yeah, because, you know, I get to go out, and I get to get better, and yeah. I get to go through therapy, and I get to get treatment, and, you know, our loved ones are left with the wreckage that we caused. Um, but it's, it's three years later, and um, we actually <laughs> were able to laugh on the phone about three days ago, and that was our first laugh together. Yeah. He's remarried um, to a, a wonderful woman. Um, they got married a few months ago. You know, there was some... Jealousy on my end as far as another woman stepping up and um, being
0: around the kids.
1: And. Yeah, because they call her um, When they're with me, they call her other mommy and then when they're with her they call me other mommy Yeah, so they're very confused. So in and I'm I'm woman enough to say that I was jealous mm-hmm. I'm woman enough to admit that I was really jealous um, You know because my kids really took to her and but when I when I look at it now I see a woman who doesn't have kids of her own Who loves my children? My kids love her. Um, so when I take my ego and my fear out of it, then I, I, then I can see the truth, you know, that she, um, if I was in her shoes, how would I feel about me? Yeah. She doesn't like me, but that's okay. Not everyone has to like me.
0: No, and that is, that's not your side of the street. No, so what not. we worry about today, we're, we're, when I'm in my recovery, I'm in the Kevin business. I'd like to be able to help everybody. I'd like to make them happy if I right. can, but if I can, I can't, but, right. but we don't get to do what they don't get to do is dump their emotional garbage on my side of the street because now it's clean. I'm, I'm <laughs> I'm committed to keeping it that way. So I don't, uh, I have, I have kind of five little tricks. I, I like to use, uh, Scotty, the guy that just commented on Facebook told me 10 years ago, probably to, to start playing small ball. And it stuck with me. I shared this today in a group, uh, What do I got to do today to get through today? Mm -hmm. You know, what's the baseline performance I need out of myself today? Uh, Not hurt anybody, which for an alcoholic or drug addict or anybody struggling with any kind of debilitating obsession is difficult, right? Uh, My son recently added help somebody, which I take for granted. This this is how I spend my time now. Uh, And then learn something new. So uh, there's five. Be reasonably happy. Don't expect that in life because we, we quit doing this or we quit doing that that we're going to fart fairy dust the rest of our lives it doesn't work (laughs) that way uh but the we can be reasonably happy we can be happy with what we have and not always longing for the things we don't have and so for me uh i understand people are hurt but and hurting and everybody we meet by the way is hurt and hurting in some degree or another it's not always drugs or alcohol or certainly the sex industry but it's something right and so uh we got to allow that and, and be there uh, if we can. If we can speak into that and help them heal from that. And certainly, uh, your husband's. By the way, you have my cell. He's welcome to call me if he'd like to talk about anything. But the, I spend a lot of my time hmm, not really making up for the things I've done, but uh, trying to make a difference with the time I have left. So it makes me jealous of how much time you have left. I wasted most of my uh, recovery still being a, a psychopath. So uh, uh, it's nice to it's nice to meet somebody young that has so much potential, so much ability or in position to affect so many lives moving forward. Uh, that's really, uh, that's awesome. And the, uh, there is an amazing amount of people that really need this kind of help, that really need somebody that's been through it before, that can kind of tell them what they did to get better and what they did to get out of that, this situation or that situation and how they stay that way, you know. And that's, uh, that's how, for me, the 12-step programs work. Uh, that's how I, I apply it not just to my life as an alcoholic, but my life in general. So I think everybody that uh, everybody suffering from it, something can uh, can benefit from applying those twelve principles in their lives life. every day. You know, and it's it, in the beginning, it's in the beginning. It is takes self discipline. It's hard in the beginning, but it becomes spiritual muscle memory after a little bit, and you begin to think to yourself, uh, "It's not a kev centric universe. I'm not the center of the universe. Everybody I deal with is hurting and broken in some way." You know. Uh, so it is, uh, uh, so you ended up on Dr. Phil. I keep going back to Dr. Phil, but the, uh, uh, he was tough on you. It was brutal. I watched a few clips and, uh, uh, you know, I was getting mad of course. And, uh, but what got, uh, Dr. Phil, I think God put you, Dr. Phil in your life for that kind of exposure. And it wasn't easy to go through that kind of exposure with something so personal, but it made all the difference in the world. Tell me, tell me. What it was like to be on a national TV show, getting kind of talking about your personal, very personal business uh, in public, but then how how that uh, how cleaning house like that, and how he he leaned into your life and made a difference in your life, right?
1: Yeah. So, you know, when I was originally on Doctor Phil, um, it was so emotionally exhausting. You know, because they're you're going there, you're editing, they're making you say this. Everything is scripted when they're doing these videos right here. This is mm-hmm. not. You know, everything is scripted. Um, Yeah, it was awful. I mean, being on national TV, having to, you know, pretty much, like, admit all your faults. um, And the only reason I did it was to get treatment Mm. because I didn't have insurance. So they told me, they said, if you come do the show, well, you know, Dr. Phil makes a decision at the end. And I, at that point, I was desperate. I was willing to do whatever. Um, But, yeah, I'm on the stage with my ex-husband, who hates me, you know, (laughs) I mean, absolutely despises me, you know, and then I have Dr. Phil, who is across from me, ripping me apart (laughs) again. It was what I needed to hear. I heard some hard truths about myself. Like I needed to hear those things because I was just like walking around like that, like that I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. You know, my mom, but my mom, my mom, you know, and I, at some point I had to take some accountability for who, you know, for what I did. And yeah, I mean, my first year uh, off of the Dr. Phil show, I was like, people would write me to kill myself. Mm -hmm. I would go into um, the gym and they would be airing my show. And then I would get all these emails and, I was so embarrassed and I wouldn't tell anyone that I was on Dr. Phil, you know, if they didn't know, do you know how awkward it is? Like when you're trying to go out and date, like, like I'm talking, you know, like a year later, like when I've got some recovery and say, you know, like you're having a conversation with him and he was like, were you on the Dr. Phil show? And I'm like, you know, it's just not really a top, a dinner conversation to have. And, um, but the way he helped me was, is the job that I have now helping others, was only because of that show. Yeah, yeah. I um I have a Facebook page Make Recovery of the Epidemic. We have almost 8,000 people. We've reached 2 million people this month. You know, I get to help a lot of people and that never would have happened if I wouldn't have um gone on the show. Um and you know, it was just like I had to have that level of humility. Like I had to do something that drastic to um To just get it. I don't know. I'm always a very extra person. And, um, you know, I'm forever grateful for uh, the Dr. Phil show. Forever grateful. Um, You would have asked me that a few years ago, and I would have said, no, I can't stand him. I hate him. He's the worst. (laughs) But um, now I'm forever grateful. You know, I have a lot of respect for him. I will not say that he is the reason I'm sober today because it's not true. No, no. But he did put me in a treatment center with a 12-step program that was very focused on God And I was able to learn some truth about myself and take ownership for what I had, you know, done. And I wasn't a victim anymore. And I'm grateful for that. Yeah. And, you know, in the future, um, I don't know the date yet, but um, I have some personal stuff going on with my children. I'm trying to get um, 50% custody and we've, we're working on that. But it's going to be sometime in the next year where I'm going to go back and do a follow-up.
0: They've been asking me for a while. So then that that would be, you know, that would be something I I would really try to do because... For people that were familiar (laughs) with the, yeah, well, and uh, yeah, certainly you want to clear, clear your name, but people that, that were, that watched the first one, maybe now can relate to it. And now they, they see you now and the way you handle yourself now and, and, uh, they would draw, certainly draw some hope from that. So your Facebook page is, is that the right Facebook page before I put it up? Your Facebook page is make recovery, the epidemic. And, uh, it's got a bunch of followers and, uh, they, so folks can can contact you on facebook they Absolutely. can reach out to you and uh if there's any way if there's anything uh you know any kind of guidance you can give them through, through addiction or, or the sex trafficking or anything by the way folks i have uh we'll take a second catch our breath here but uh if there's anything i can do for you godlogicproject at gmail.com you can email me you want to be on the show you got a story to tell Email me, GodLogicProject at gmail.com. You can contact me at GodLogicProject.com. But if you have someone struggling with addiction, uh, sex trafficking, uh, any kind of emotional and debilitating obsession or, or anything like that, if there's a way that I can help, I certainly will do it. Um, the, there are folks inside and outside of the state of Florida that I've made contact with through the years, and they've been on the show, some of them. So there are resources out there that can help make a difference in your life. And the God Logic project's become kind of a clearinghouse for that. So if there's any way I can help you guys, certainly don't don't hesitate to reach out to me. I'll, I'll spend some time trying to put together some some hope some services for you guys. I don't do much myself uh, in terms of running a rehab or anything like that, but I do have a lot of friends in the industry, and we can. Uh, if if you got a family member struggling, if you're if you don't know what to do, give me a call. If all I do is pray for you, I'd be glad to do that too. Uh, if we can make a difference, and even. Couple of lives uh, before my time here is uh, before I'm called home before my time here is done. I'm I'm glad to do it. It's what I'm doing now. So uh, uh, again, Godlogicproject@gmail.com or Godlogicproject.com. You can reach out to me if I can help in any way. I certainly will. If you guys are enjoying the show, su- please subscribe, ring the alert bell, comment on Facebook. Uh, uh, we're trying to we're trying to get these this and, and, and every message out to as many people as we possibly can. Uh, as I kind of figure out how to run a podcast by myself here in the first place, which <laughs> I've never been a computer guy, so you see me <laughs> off camera running around like a nut. It's a uh, it's a You're handful. Doing a great job, uh, thank you. So the uh, uh so Dr. Phil paid for you to go to treatment, right? Correct. And then you uh, uh, took full advantage of that. Obviously, that was three years ago. Mm-hmm. January will be three years. Is that what we talked about? The show yeah. I think when I talked about it this morning on the promo, I said four years, but it's three years, right? So, uh, uh,
1: yeah, he sent me to a um, rehab program in West Palm, big recovery community, and um, it was very twelve step based, very God focused, higher power is what they said to me. Um, I choose to call it God. Um, yeah, he, um, you know, he gave me a facility to. Um, learn about the truth and to find a power greater than myself and i'm forever grateful for that i think he helps a lot of people there were a lot of um there were a lot of dr phil girls in there and guys um he used that specific treatment center for the dr phil people so i got to meet other people that was also on the show um who are also still sober um one of the best treatment centers in the country i don't even work for it and i'm saying i mean one of the best yeah um
0: well your your treatment center second best cuz it, it's my friend so. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, but, we'll plug them too. But uh, um
1: anyway, it was just a great program. You know, it was very it was just a great program. I actually go back all the time. Yeah. and visit. So it's a it's a really good and he helps a lot of people, you know, just because it was hard for me to listen to, and he kind of it, you can he could have gone about it a different way, maybe approached it a but l- little. But
0: that doesn't bit ha- that doesn't help viewership. No, so. <laughs> so it's like,
1: yeah, I mean, he was just a little like. Listen, I take responsibility for my actions as an adult, hundred percent. But there's a lot of underlying trauma. There was a lot of there was a belief system. There was a lot of things. I still go to trauma for trauma therapy. For today, I was just there last week. You know, my I mean, my. You know, not to get too graphic, but my personal, my sex life has been greatly affected by the porn industry and the and the sex working and the prostitution. I mean, I, I don't feel normal. Still to this day, I mean, it's, it's, it's so dramatic.
0: So that's a good, that's a good another jump off then. Uh, now it's been three years, uh, your formative years, the most important years of your life. Mine were spent in crime and bars and things mm-hmm. like that. And I know it took a, I started growing up when that, at 21, when those things ended. Uh but it's got to affect you emotionally. So your, 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 uh, uh, your personal relationships, uh, do you find yourself going back to that? Uh, for me, it was, uh, I would go back to the lying in, in a stressful situation. I would go, I would uh, still to this day, somebody sets their purse down near me and I'm like, well, they shouldn't <laughs> do that. Uh, they, uh, uh, those, those behaviors that are defense mechanisms when we're, when we're living that life, follow us into our recovery and, 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 and in time they weaken. But in the beginning, certainly for me, losing my temper was how I would solve a problem. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would go right back to, uh, I would go right back to kind of the tough guy behaviors or bad guy behaviors that I had when I was a kid, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, but the, uh, the temptation maybe, and you, you can speak into this or not, but is the temptation then to, uh, kind of be a little too flirty to get your way or anything like that? Do you, do you find yourself running into kind of playing those cards again, subtly?
1: Um, You know, when I, so when I got sober, I worked my first real job ever. <laughs> ever. And you, you were 24? Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, all the, I was always a sex worker, always, uh, you know, just always working in the sex industry. So when I had my first job in recovery, I had to relearn my mannerisms. Kevin, like I, everything I did was sexual. Yeah. yeah. Like I could, you know, it was just that my, I had to relearn how to like be normal. Yeah. Like I was just so used to manipulating and using my body and saying things, putting my hands on my boss's knees. You just, you know, things that are not normal. You see, you have to
0: set up kind of unnatural boundaries for a, yourself in the beginning till then you can make normal boundaries it, later yeah, on. It
1: was just like, it just happened. And um, that is the first thing. um, But, yeah, first year of recovery, absolutely. I'm very self-seeking, very ego-driven, very, like, you know, pay attention to me. It was just, it was, like, where I felt comfortable, like, I think that well,
0: it was where you were deriving your self right. worth your whole life.
1: Absolutely. So
0: then, then when you when and you, I don't
1: have drugs and alcohol to now like yeah, t- to, to cover twel- that. So what am I going to do? I'm going to start acting out in other ways. Yeah. What
0: What do I know that right. makes me feel better? So what right. do I know Men. that makes me feel better? Right. Is is drugs and alcohol? Right. I can tell you the four horsemen of my apocalypse. The four things that I've made a god out of is drugs, alcohol, and women, mm-hmm. and and that's what that that's they've all turned on me. That's what'll take me out one day. So the uh, but we do turn to things we we know. Wow almost like a drug, right? So for me Absolutely. it was money when I stopped drinking and drug and it was I, I made a god of money and after after that it was women for a while, you know. And here later in my life it's God. I mean, yeah, it's Imagine always. if I did that in the beginning. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's um yeah, so I had to relearn how to like dress, act,
0: be social, right? Be
1: social, um very flirty, not realizing I'm flirting. Um that was brought to my attention a lot and I'm I'm always grateful for those kind of people. Yeah. Hey Mercedes, you know maybe
0: you Don't know. tell that joke. Don't
1: even some men would say that to me. Yeah. They'd be like, Hey, I just want to make you aware of this. But yeah, I was very sexual, very overly flirty. And, um, you know, towards the end of my sex working, I started vomiting during the act mm-hmm. because I was so disgusted with myself. Mm-hmm. And so, going into sobriety and being a sober woman with dignity and grace, and have dated a few times, um, you know, my, it's, I can't, it's not, my life on that side is just not normal yet.
0: Yeah. Well, so. I find for me, I, if we're going to be honest and I hate being honest, but if we're going to do it, we're going to do it. Uh, being dating now and, and being, uh, uh, and being celibate or not having sex now at, at this point in my life seems almost pointless to a lot of people, but <laughs> the, uh, uh, dating became very weird for me. So I had to, I uh, would go on dates, but and I'd to go to dinner and go to the movies, but if we're not having sex, let's call it a night. I got to go home and watch TV, you know? <laughs> so the, uh, it, it, I didn't know how to behave myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't know, uh, I didn't know how to act like normal people acted or certainly like Christian leaders act. Right. I didn't mm-hmm. know how to do that. I knew how to act like a construction worker acted. So the, uh, uh it, it took a long time for me. I had to, I had to watch the jokes. I had to watch the, the double innuendos, um, uh, And I had to, uh, for a while I unplugged, I I set up unnatural boundaries for myself. I wouldn't talk to women when I was trying not to have sex and keeping it a secret. I didn't tell anybody by the way that I was doing this. I was just going to kind of wean myself off. (laughs) Uh, and the, uh, but I, I would stop talking. Then I knew it was always with me was the jokes, right? It was always the getting them to respond to a joke. Then I knew where I stood, that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. So it, uh, uh, I had to discipline and still have to discipline myself on those things. Uh, now, you know, four years into that process, uh, it is not easy, you know. So the uh, to, to for abnormal people like me, you, to act like normal people act, it's, it's a learning curve. You have to learn to act like that, and it's not easy. Yeah.
1: It was like relearning how to be a, um, I was sh- like this 13-year-old girl, you know. Like mm-hmm. I had to learn how to be a woman, you know, and dress appropriately and not, you know, make comments and not look at people's husbands and not, yeah. you yeah. know, just things that were just so foreign to me. Like, what do you mean I well, can't do
0: this. And things, things you would have or should have uh, been uh, disciplined on as a things child in know, your like, teenage years, you yeah, know? Yeah, it
1: would just, it, it's things that I should have known, you know, it's, it's, it's ne- it shouldn't have been things that I'd have to figure out later on. Like, I should have just, like, consciously known that that wasn't the right thing to do, but it was so foreign to me. It was just so, like, it's still crazy to me sometimes, you know, when I think about, like, my daughter, do- I have a daughter, and I'm like, she will never, God willing... You know, be overly sexualized. You know, just I, and I'm so grateful for the experiences that I went through, even being a sex worker and even, you know, being around a mom who was also an alcoholic and a drug addict who died at 40 from this disease. You know, even though I went through all of that, now I have, I get to like instill these spiritual principles into my children and they don't even know that I'm doing it. And I have all this experience, good or bad, you know, and I get to, I get to, to help my children without, you know, I was on Dr. Phil. It's going to be out there forever for the rest of my Mm -hmm. life, you know. Um, But I get to, you know, I've completely turned that around, you know, like I truly have.
0: And that will, this is a program of attraction. All things, I think, are a program of attraction. So if I don't have something you want, it doesn't matter what I say. Right. Right. I can tell you, I can quote chapter and verse when I really can of the Bible, and I should be a little as a pastor. But I can quote chapter and verse, but if I'm not living the gospel, then then who cares what I think, you know, and it goes, that goes to recovery. That goes how we, how we parent our kids. If I'm not parenting my children well, and I speak into how you parent your children, what, what is that worth? You know? So it is, uh, it, it becomes a program of attraction. I can tell you that over time, uh, here, here's a kind of a crazy story. So my kids, uh, were not churched. I haven't been saved very long. So nine years. So, uh, my older kids, uh, weren't raised in church. And, uh, And once I got saved, that broke my heart to think that I, you know, this is the most important thing in my life and I didn't expose my kids to it younger. Uh, slowly, but surely they became, uh, they, they, they began to come to church with me, whether I, I never forced it on them. I never was a Bible thumper. You can tell now, you know me well enough. I'm not the big Bible thumper guy. I believe every word of it, but I'm not, uh, I'm not over the top with it. Uh, but my kids through, I hope through, seeing a difference in their father. I'm not punching people out of red lights anymore sober, you know, <laughs> uh, which is bad for business. The, uh, uh, there's a difference in me, and they saw it, and they began to want. Ha- I had something they wanted, and they began to look into it. Strangely, i talking about you and your ex-husband. My ex-wife, her husband, my ex-sister-in-law are all in leadership at my church now. So I see them all the time and 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 the reason that is is because regardless of what mistakes we made my ex-wife and I and I made way more than she made she'll tell you uh, the uh, <laughs> the we if we're gonna air we're gonna air on the side of the kids what's best for the kids you know when we're, we're not gonna uh, weaponize our children and it's made a difference it really has so and it's made a difference not just in our relationship with the kids but then in our relationship with each other so i'm at church and i say oh that go ask uh, that's my ex-wife standing over there people think i'm crazy you know uh you go to church with you talk to your ex-wife that's crazy uh we we talk all the time we get along we're raising these kids carly particularly the youngest one the youngest girl uh, together still, you know, we fight all the time over who gets her, even though we have legal documents that determine that we don't go by them really, you know, whatever best for her. Uh, AJ, my son's a little bit different story. His mom's out of the picture and, and it's just me and him. So it's a little bit, and, but she, uh, helps me with AJ, right? She helps me with my son. So it's, uh, it is not to brag, but to say that it's a program of attraction, right? Because I, uh, something changed in daddy by the grace of God and nothing I did the people around me begin to want it, something like that too. And it, it, the 12-step programs work the same way. But um, if I didn't have something they wanted, you know, it didn't matter what I told them or how I begged them or me putting my foot down as their father. Greatest, one of the greatest gifts I've got in my salvation is that my, my older kids have come to church now. And my daughter, my oldest daughter, got ordained. So she's begun the ordination process with the Free Methodist. And that's, uh, you know, to somebody that's screwed up most of his life, uh that's a that's a tremendous blessing, you know, and that's what can happen all that just to say this that's what's waiting for you one day at a time you know in your future with your kids and this amazing testimony can't be understated, and that I quit drinking when I was twenty one and I wasted it right I really didn't start working until I was forty some or thirty some uh but you one day at a time can affect literally a hundred thousand lives. It's amazing. It's amazing opportunity God's given you. What what it what man what l- the world meant for evil, God has turned around and used for good. That makes you uh uniquely qualified to help when no one else can, you know. That's a tremendous blessing. As hard as it is to kind of go through what we went through, certainly what you went through, uh here now on the other side, it's a blessing. This is the My easiest Yeah, it's the easiest version of Kevin I've ever had to be last two, three years, you know, uh, so it is quite a blessing. Well, the, uh, uh, oh, I've got us on auto switch. I'm not very good at this, by the way. (laughs) I I tend to, I tend to struggle with even the most rudimentary functions here. Uh, so the, uh, we're going to wrap it up here in a minute. I want to pimp again. I want to, I want to encourage folks to, uh, to visit your make recovery, the epidemic Facebook page, uh, follow it, like it, uh, there, is, uh, there are opportunities to heal and recover from the things that, that other folks are going through, that you've gone through, that you're on the other side of now. It seems impossible, but it, it did not seem impossible to you three or four years ago Absolutely. to be where it you are impossible. now. Yeah. So uh, if we're going to leave folks with any kind of message at all, and you can look at the camera and do this part, uh, if there's anything, you, you, any advice you want to say, anything you want to say to anybody in the world, even Dr. Phil, you want me to challenge Dr. Phil to a cage match right now? <laughs> I'll fight Dr. Phil right now. I don't care. (laughs) No, I I have nothing against Dr. Phil.
1: We love Dr. Phil. (laughs) Um, I would say that um, when I stopped seeking comfort and started seeking change, my life changed forever. Yeah. And I will say that some of the worst things I've done in my life have turned out to be the greatest blessings. Yeah. And. Um, it doesn't matter what you've done in your past. It doesn't matter who you used to be. Everyone's redeemable. Everyone. Um, I've been completely redeemed by the grace of God only. I've found God. I have a love for myself that I never thought I would have. Um, I'm able to look at myself in the mirror and love who I am today. And that has been a process in itself. Um, but there's nothing so bad that you've done in your life that you can't get help for Amen. and you can't fix
0: and then one day at a time, you can balance, You can come one back from anything. Absolutely. I can tell you, I had a, a friend of mine that was doing two life sentences for murder. Mm-hmm. X one percent biker, uh, killed a guy in a drug deal. Was never getting out of prison ever, uh, and he uh, he got saved in prison, uh, and he did
1: well, a remarkable things. God did a yeah. remarkable things, right? Long
0: story short, he doesn't. He's not even on probation. He's not even on parole okay. anymore, uh, and he serves. Uh, he served that population and he serves God's kingdom every day. He's probably 70 years old now uh, and still out there doing it and making a difference. And so there's uh, regardless of, the, of what people tell you, you can do and what you can't do.
1: God will do some yeah. crazy things. If
0: God think, will oh do God. for you what you can't do for yourself. And he's applied me and He's supplied you and he's applied my friend buzz and, and, and millions of other people. Uh, in the old Testament, Joseph's brother sell him to slavery into Egypt. He becomes like uh, the cat daddy of egypt right he's like number two guy in egypt and then he he confronts his brothers and they they're like joseph we're sorry you know and he's he forgives them instantly and he says what what you meant for evil god used for good you know it's it's the ultimate in joseph's side of the street you know he took his side of the street was clean there was no reason to to uh, seek revenge or anything like that or get even uh i think the we talked about it a little bit. We're closed now, but we talked about it a little bit before the show. But self-centeredness is what kills us, right? Self-centeredness. Uh, yeah. So we, uh, uh, the fact that we can, we can kind of get outside of ourselves and, and and serve something greater than ourselves, mm-hmm. it save it saves lives, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, the the life that you saved in yourself, and I'm glad you did. I didn't know you then, but I know you now, and we're friends. Uh, that's a that's a thousand different lives that will will be positively affected just by you making that change just by you guys making that change uh so it isn't the alcoholic that we say but the alcoholic's children and husbands and wives and family and friends and employers and uh this is uh I can get a little emotional but this is uh this is bigger than just that, right? Those 12 step programs have saved more lives than penicillin. It's
1: like what, how many 12 step programs based off the 12 steps now? Like 200 yeah. plus? Yeah.
0: And the uh, uh, making a difference every day. And, and just it. two normal schmucks like me figured it out, you know, when no one else could. And I can tell you that if I showed up at those rooms when I was 21 years old in a hoodlum and it was lab <laughs> coats and ink blots, I would have stole a cup of coffee and a couple of wallets and went on my way, mm-hmm. right? But because those people were just like me way older than me some of them are like 30 mm-hmm. uh the uh it made all the difference because mm-hmm. they were and the literature tells us uniquely qualified to help when no one else could you know uh and 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 god works through the people in our lives like that mm-hmm. well anyway guys uh appreciate your watching tonight uh a really powerful episode we've got to do it again we'll get some other folks in here maybe do a follow-up episode in a few months love to do it uh I want to thank you guys uh, for watching the show tonight, for subscribing. You ring the alert bell, you'll be alerted every time new content is uploaded so you don't have to try to remember when your favorite episode's coming up. You get a little message. Uh, I do it with quite a few of my YouTube channels that I follow uh, religiously. Am I allowed to say religiously? I'm going to go to hell for that. <laughs> uh, the, uh, uh, I want to thank everybody, by the way, that has been going to GodLogicProject.com and clicking on the Amazon logo uh, doing their Christmas shopping as normal. But when you do that, uh, one extra step, Godlogicproject.com. Amazon's been sending a dollar or two to the God logic project, help pay for the expenses to keep this podcast going. So, uh, and you guys doing that, uh, it really makes a difference. So if you would do that in the future and continue to do that, that's great. We've got a PayPal account. Now, if you want to support the God logic project, uh, you can go to the website There's a PayPal account. People have been throwing me a few bucks just to keep going here. Uh, you know, pay the monthly expenses for the, for the studio and everything. Uh, So I want to really thank you guys. Mercedes, I always, as always, I want to thank you for being here. This was a really powerful episode. Uh, I don't generally get emotional during podcasts. I don't generally get emotional during life. Got a little choked up tonight. You got me. You won. You almost made me cry. (laughs) If I wasn't a plumber, I probably would have (laughs) cried. If no one's told you they love you today, God loves you. So do I. Receive that, be blessed, and we'll speak soon. Thank you. Thank you for supporting the God Logic Project. And if no one's told you they totally love you today, God loves you. So do I. See that. Be blessed. We'll speak soon. This has been a Rev. Kev production. Your mileage may vary. Shut up, Kevin.